Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Doberman Dan Show. This is Doberman Dan from DobermanDan.com, and I've got the pleasure this evening of interviewing uh, a very successful copywriter, and I also believe I can call him a kitchen table entrepreneur like myself, uh, Ben Settle from BenSettle.com. How you doing, Ben? I am doing great. Good. I really appreciate you doing this. Um, you know, we're just going to have fun. You didn't. I didn't give you much of an outline at all for this call, so you're probably wondering <laughs> what what we're going to do. But this will be like just me and you talking. And don't get nervous that there's about 20 people on the phone line and another 300 on the webcast. Don't be nervous at all. Uh, I'm lying. I'm lying, man. There's, there's, <laughs> yeah, well, that would be pretty cool if there was that many people on. There's about 10% of that many people, but you know, I could lie about that. Nobody would know. I hear these guys on I know. teleconferences all the time. Say, well, geez, we've got 750 people on the line. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, the old inflated number game. Yeah, exactly. Now this will be just like a conversation between me and you. And the cool thing about it is, I'll I will learn more about you and get to know you better because I'm going to ask you questions that we've never spoken about before. So, uh, with that brief and improvised introduction, I would like you to tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me about, you know, if you were born and if you have a mother, and then take it from there. Keep keep it brief. You know, I don't need to know about you falling down, skinning your knee when you're three. But you know, tell me about your background. You know, your family, your your work background, and stuff like that, and how you got involved in direct response and copywriting. <clears throat> well, I'll give you the condensed version for the sake of time. But um, basically, I got involved in business back in late 1990s. Like a lot of people, I started out in network marketing, multi-level marketing. Um, was really, really bad at it. I mean, just terrible at it. And uh, lo and behold, I got married, and we were both doing the business together and had all these big plans and everything. And one thing led to another, and about nine months after we were married, we were pretty much homeless. I mean, we were living in an office. That's all we could afford because we were spending all of our money on leads and that sort of thing. And it just neither of us was very good at it. And uh, just, I don't know if it was what you want to call it. I had, I considered it an answer to a prayer, but basically I just kind of ran into copywriting one night when I was just sort of sitting there staring at the ceiling. I just didn't know what to do. I mean, we're living in this dinky little office for like 200 bucks a month because we couldn't afford a real apartment, keeping it a f- secret from my family and just, you know, it was kind of embarrassing. And just, I don't know what it was, but I guess I kind of picked up this book that I had read several times before because it's very short, but it always kind of inspired me. And it was, it's called The Seven Lost Secrets of Success by Joe Vitale. And it's about an old-time ad guy named Bruce Barton, who a lot of people don't know who he is today, but back in the early to mid-1900s, he was like the man in advertising. Everyone knew who he was. He was... I guess he was an advisor to certain politicians, and that, he had a lot of influence. But basically, that, there, he told a story in that book about it was during the Depression, and it was some big city, maybe New York or Chicago or something like that. And this guy came to Bruce Barton, and he, he said, you know, 
I just can't get anyone to hire me. I don't know what I'm going to do. But this guy had like a talent. I guess he had like a reputation for writing sales letters. And Bruce Barton took him over to the window and he's like, now look at all those buildings out there. You know, I mean, like I said, I don't know what city it was, but it was one of those big cities. And he goes, you say you're good at writing sales letters. Why don't you write a sales letter to sell one of those companies on hiring you? And there was something about that that just clicked. And from then on forth, I just started pursuing it with reckless abandon. I, you know, everything I'd get my hands on. If I made a little bit of money working on a project, I'd reinvest it back into copywriting education and marketing education. Found Dan Kennedy and you know Gary Halbert and all them, and you know how it goes from there. You just get the bug and you just start tearing through everything you can. And then eventually, I kind of made it my way up the ranks and. Now I have the uh, glorious pleasure of talking on the Doberman Dan Show. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I'm glad to have you. Um, I, you know, I didn't know that. I knew that you were in multi-level marketing, but I had no idea things were that bad for you. Yeah, I, um, you know, I was in it for about four years, and then I, when I got out of it, I just. You know, it, it's a good stepping stone. I mean, that that kind of business is a great stepping stone because you have to do face-to-face sales eventually or phone sales or something. So you're kind of forced to kind of discover who you are, and you start seeing through the myths of what sales actually work and what doesn't. I mean, in the case, in my case, you know, we were taught the basic stuff that you learn in most sales books, which, in my opinion, is all crap. I mean, almost none of it works, and it's all based on persistence and tricks and tactics and all that, and um, so I won't say it's a bad thing, but I mean it, it's a great way to to get started in business and to get you kind of going. Yeah, and it is like you said, a lot of it's face to face or phone selling, and who, buddy, that's a it, it can be brutal. You learn, you gotta learn really fast, or you just get really beat up. <laughs> you um, know, one of the um, adventures we had, <laughs> we were living in that office, and I don't know which guru it was <laughs> network marketing that recommended this they're like you know take these tapes and, and go pass them around town <laughs> you know we're like, so we're going door to door to all the businesses around the town and you know people are telling us get the hell out of their store <laughs> 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 you know, it was that fun i mean it was like you know you, you start learning real fast that the stuff they tell you to do is just not what to do well you you separated yourself from uh 99 percent of all the other people in network marketing in that you actually did something yeah. most people do nothing so you know even though i can relate to your story being completely broke and homeless because um, i've been there done that a couple times actually <laughs> um, but you know it was part of your education and it led you to direct marketing and, and copywriting, so, you know, thank God for that. Yeah, I wouldn't then, trade it for anything. And uh, yeah. anything, I wish I'd ran into copywriting earlier. When you uh, when you found all these guys, like you found Dan Kennedy and Gary Halbert and started learning about this stuff, then what was the next step? I mean, did you did you have to get a job, or did you immediately go into being a copywriter, or how did that all evolve? Well, I I was... For some reason, I have a very um, strategic way of thinking. It sometimes it gets me in trouble, but you know, because I'll think too long term. I'll try to think too many moves ahead, like in a chess game. I play a lot of chess, by the way, but I'm not very good at it. But I, I think it helps to kind of think strategically. 
and uh, in this case, what I would do, I, I had a job. It was a, I was duplicating videos um, for a major video duplication company in Illinois, and I was part time. By that I mean I was working like thirty hours a week because when my wife and I got married, she started a cleaning business. So I was helping her clean offices too. So I kind of went part time in the job and helping her, and then I sort of. I found this opportunity later on to get on the second shift at my job, which was the 2.30 to 11 shift. And I don't know if you know anyone listening to this knows what, what I mean by duplicating tapes. I mean, I'm literally just, was just putting cassette, uh, videotapes in machines and pushing record, and then I had nothing to do often for an hour or two. And I wanted to get on the second shift because no one's there. So I did. I, I just thinking ahead, so I just yeah, I should get I should get on second shift because now I had all this time at work. Or yeah, I'm I'm doing the job, but I'm also studying copywriting and marketing stuff, and I'm writing ads, and I'm I, I did I spent a lot of time handwriting ads out back then, and I did a lot I'm of that. Sorry to interrupt. I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt. You you really did that. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I'm sorry. Keep going because I tell people to do that all the time. Very few actually. Oh yeah. Do well, yeah, I mean, what I would do is um, that was a big part of my education. On the way to work, because I worked, I worked about 20-some miles from where I lived and did a lot of heavy traffic, um, I would listen to audios and that sort of thing. If I was working on a project, um, I was doing a lot of projects with Michael Senoff at the time, and what he does is he likes to interview his interview product creators when he's helping them sell something. So I would have his interview, and I would just listen to it over and over for whatever project I was working on. So on the way there, I was sort of working on an ad. When I got there, I was pretty much working on my ads. When I was on my breaks, I'd work on my ads. When I was during lunch, I'd go out to the car and work on ads or read or something. And then at night, when everyone was gone from there for a few hours, I would, if I had an ad to work on, I would do that, or I would just hand write ads out. This was before I had any clients or anything. You have nothing to do but write ads out and that sort of thing. And I did that a lot. I mean, I just, I, I think I like, anything anything Gary Halbert wrote, I would just copy out by hand, and like even his entire Boron Letters book, which I think is just a fascinating book. I mean, it's just a real good way to get it ingrained in your head how to structure ads and that sort of thing. Wow, I I didn't know you'd done all that, but you know, a lot of people have been told to do that, and they don't. And uh, but yet you did, and now you know. Look at the result. You've been making your full time living from this for quite a while now. Oh yeah, I went full time in this in uh, 2005. Um, that's when I officially quit that job, and my wife and I we moved to another state after that, and pretty much had no choice but to do your own business at that point. And uh, I just I, I think copying out ads is essential, but the problem is, is for most people aren't that into it, so. Unless someone's really into it, they're probably not going to do it. And even if they do do it, you know, they'll copy out the wrong ads, for one thing. And then for second thing, they're not going to copy out ads that are actually kind of interesting and entertaining. Like, it's easy to copy Gary Halbert ads out because they're so freaking entertaining. And they're just <laughs> fun, you know. I mean, it's just fun to read his stuff. It's almost like reading a book sometimes. And But then you'll see guys will – I mean, I love, like, kind of – sometimes I'll kind of read – um, forum, marketing forums, and that sort of thing, and then people will be bragging about their swipe files and stuff. Well, I got this ad, my swipe file, and you know, I'm, I don't ever poke my nose into these things. I just kind of lurk. But a lot of times, people are copying ads that really, 
maybe they were good, maybe they weren't, but they weren't tested. Like maybe big launch ads in some cases where these marketers are just such geniuses that they'll sell their product whether the ad is any good or not. And I know there, in some cases, some of these guys will have say, well, I only put a few hours into writing that ad. I just slapped it up there. And then you'll have copywriters, well, hey, I made all this money. I'm copying it out by hand. I'm just like, or I'm studying it or to my swipe file. And I'm just like shaking my head saying, you don't get it. You got to go back to the masters and you got to see how they did it when they were selling to cold people, skeptical people. And, you know, it was a whole different ball game back then. It's not like you just slap something up on the internet like you can now, send it out to thousands of affiliates who all hype it up for you first. Yeah, exactly. If you're gonna if you're gonna copy out ads by hand to, you know, to to, to ingrain that in your uh, in your cranium there and and improve your ad writing ability, you really need to copy out what's a proven winner, and that's going back to the classics and the stuff, you know, or the stuff that we know is like a you know what they call a control, which has been tested, you know, and shown to be a winner, and then rolled out to millions of names. So um so you had the job, you're working nights, you were taking advantage of that time and copying ads out by hand. And then so what was the next step? How did you get into to direct marketing? Did you start your own project or did you start out being a freelance copywriter? What happened then? Well, yeah, I started out just freelancing. In fact, I if I could go back, I would have done more freelancing and less joint ventures. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. When I got into this uh I've been, you know, the one good thing I can, well, one of a few good things I could say I got out of network marketing was it got me reading Robert Kiyosaki books. And a lot of people know his main flagship book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it was just such a huge impact on me because it talked about multiple streams of income. Like, you don't want to just have one. You want to have things coming in, you know, you want to have income coming in automatically as much as possible. And so what I kind of, and this is this is kind of where the strategic part of my brain kind of got me in trouble in some ways. Is I said, well, I'm just going to do joint ventures where I'll, you know, I'll, I'll write the ad essentially for free, but then I'll get paid on sales perpetually. And that worked with, um, like for example, when I worked with Michael Sunoff, that worked fine. He's an honest guy, you know. He's and he's you know a real marketer and stuff. But a lot of people out there try to take advantage of that, which happened to me sometimes. But what I, what I guess what my point is, is if I could go back, I would do joint ventures like that, and I should have done a lot of more just straight freelance stuff, which a lot of times I would turn down at the time because I didn't think it would – I wanted that long-term income stream coming in. When you say straight freelance stuff, you mean people offered you, hey, I'll pay you X and you write my ad and we're done. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I mean by that. When, so to get your first clients, you approached people and said, hey, I will write this ad for nothing up front. I just want X percentage of the of the gross. Is that how you approached it? Well, yeah, and, and here's kind of the way it worked. It, I, I, I actually stumbled into this um, in a lot of ways on accident. Here, what happened was I read a newsletter Gary Halbert wrote called Why Multilevel Marketing Sucks, <laughs> ironically. And in that newsletter, he talked about how – you can take your um, skills, you can find somebody selling something, and you can basically be like a commission salesperson where you sell it with your ad, and then they you know, give you a percentage. So I found that very intriguing. So you know, it just so happens, though, that I ran into Michael Senoff. He actually had been reading my website at the time. I was just writing these little newsletters, and he just happened to be in that same mindset. He was willing to do that. 
So that was cool. I thought, well, this is great. This is working out really good because I'd done a project or two with him, and it just it worked out very well. I mean, it, like like the first project, like at the time, it paid off my car and everything. It was like you know, and at that time, that was like a big deal, a really big deal when you're kind of struggling and everything. And but the problem was, is when I went to other people, I thought, well, I'll I'll, I'll mimic this. You know, I'll duplicate this, and I'll go find some other people to work with too while I'm working with him and. Maybe I'll have like four or five of these things coming in at once. And I, so I went to some, I, I just kind of compiled a list of marketers or people I knew who were using sales letters. Um, and I, I just sort of wrote them each a letter. And I got, I got, I got one response from this, um, I'm not going to name who they are because I'd probably get in some kind of legal trouble if I did because I, I don't have anything nice to say about them. But basically it's a, a company that sets up like, Nevada corporations and that sort of thing. And uh I got, you know, I spent a lot of time writing one of their ads that dealt with the own, the founder of the company. He's like, I'm an old marketing guy. I know exactly what this is all about. Let's do this. Problem is, is that he decided to retire when I was halfway through the sales letter, handed it over to someone in his family who didn't know anything about marketing or anything. Couldn't even understand the, fi- the concept behind doing a joint venture like this. And it kind of left a sour taste in my mouth because it was just a big waste of time. And then at that point, I decided, well, I better start trying to get some real <laughs> freelance jobs in, too, at the same time. So I kind of learned that the hard way. But um, but that's a pretty irresistible offer for, you know, for somebody who wants to do that, you know, approach a business, you know, hopefully with an honest owner. <laughs> well, it is. Uh, it, it is an irresistible offer, but... I mean, I just wouldn't even recommend it anymore. I, I used to recommend it, and I, I, I wouldn't say I would never recommend doing it, but yeah, you, know, you should. They should have some skin in the game, if nothing else, and they should have something invested in it. Otherwise, you you could be putting yourself you know, on the hook for a lot of your time, unless, of course, you really want to get smart about it and let everybody. And it, it's your ad. I mean, once you write it, you own the copyright to it, and you can always take it to a competitor or something and just tweak it for their product but then you go through the same thing again you know it's still kind of a kind of a long shot and i'll say this after that incident and i still did some of these jobs like i did one of those for uh i did that with ken mccarthy you know and, and that turned out to be a very good joint venture so i mean there's just certain people that you could probably do it with but you know i, I mean going back i would have done more of the straight freelance stuff and did the joint venture stuff on the side and taking my time with it and not made it a priority I got you. I got you. Hey, um, I just want to say something real quick to the folks. We got a bunch of people listening to us on the webcast. On that website, there's a box that you can submit questions. Um, I can see questions that are being submitted. So if you have any questions for Ben, submit those now on the website, and uh, and we'll and we'll definitely get to those. I I can just. Uh, as you send your question, I can see it on a website here that I'm looking at. So, um, so um, freelance work, um, you did in some joint ventures, and how? Here's the biggest question that came up when I interviewed Caleb last week. I guess it was. Everybody wants to know all the copywriters on the line, or all the people who are considering. Uh, becoming a freelance copper copywriter, want to know how do you get your clients? Um, you know, you told us how you got the joint venture clients. 
you don't necessarily recommend that right now, but what is the quickest way to get clients or what are the best ways to get cop, uh, copywriting clients? Well, the first thing you got to do, and this is going to sound kind of strange probably, and but it needs to be said because there's not a lot of people out there saying it, and that is you got to stop thinking like a copywriter because you got to think like a, a marketer, a salesperson. And the problem that, that I see this all the time, and other people I I work, I, I'm in two mastermind groups. I'm in you know I'm in yours, but I'm also in another one. And in that group, there's we're all copywriters, and two of them got together and actually created a whole course on freelancing. And they were saying what I, what I'm about to say too, that everywhere you look, you see people trying to write these long sales letters, selling people on why they need copywriting which is just a huge, huge mistake. I mean, I don't know why people are doing it. I don't know where this all started. I, I don't even understand why anybody would bother doing it. Why try to convince someone they need copywriting when you could be attracting people already looking for copywriters? I mean, that's what it all comes down to. Who's already hiring copywriters? Go to them. You don't have to explain to them why they need good copywriting. You don't have to explain to them what it'll mean to, to have a you know super control and all that. They already know that. They just they're looking for people because they're trying to pump out more ads. And believe me, there are a lot of people out there like that who just have nothing but projects right now, and they're they're looking for copywriters. So aren't they? I mean, that's going after the starving crowd, as our as uh, Gary Halbert would say, right? I mean, you know, you can sell them burgers all day long, but if you sit there and try to convince someone who's full why they need to have your hamburger, it's kind of like an uphill battle. <laughs> That's great. That is so true. You just probably saved people a lot of wasted time and money. Yeah, I hope so. After the wrong, you know, chasing after the wrong prospects. Well, you just see it all over. I mean, I I love um, reading other copywriter sites because I just like to see what people are up to and everything. And you know, you can learn something from everybody, but. One thing I just I just notice it all over the place. It's like, it's like their their ads are like written to people who have no idea what copywriting is. Well, here's what copywriting is, and you know, and I did you know, and I, and if you hire me, I'm, I studied under uh, you know Guru A and Guru B. But you know, unless those people know who those gurus that you studied under are, they don't care. You know, they just these guys just if you're going after the right people, they're already looking for copywriters. All you got to do is explain to them why they should choose you and give you a shot. <laughs> that's that's a, that is boy, if people were paying for this call, which yeah. they probably should be, they would have gotten their money's worth from just that one tip there. Um when you know, I I didn't properly set you up at the beginning. I mean, you've written copy for some really heavy hitters uh in the direct marketing world and online marketing world. So, you know, we're getting advice not from some young kid that just started. We're getting advice from a, you know, well, you are young, but uh, we're getting advice from a young, up-and-coming copywriter that's highly in demand, turning away clients, as a matter of fact. Um, he's just so booked and, you know, is is on the... Uh, is is on the list of many top marketers as you know one of their first call copywriters. So you know if you're thinking about getting in the copywriting business, you need to listen to what Ben says. Um, so we talked about getting clients. This is this is another question that that came up quite a bit. 
how do you get good at copywriting as quickly as possible? And what did you do specifically? I mean, because you've become really successful, you know, in a very short period of time. So what do you recommend for getting good at copywriting quickly? Well, I mean, the problem I'm about to say, I actually have three things that I think everybody should do, and almost nobody will do the first thing. But I promise you, if you did the first thing I'm about to say, even though it goes against what a lot of people are telling people to do and it goes against the urge to buy everything that comes into your email box that's in a major launch and all that, if you just did these three things, I mean, these are basically the three three things I did. And, you know, I, I can't guarantee you anything, but I'm just saying, I mean, this this worked very well for me. And the first thing that I would recommend and again, I'm going to preface this with nobody ever does it. Everybody says they're going to, they want to do what I'm about to suggest, but no one actually ever does it. And that is when you find a good resource. For example, I um, this is I can give you all kinds of examples. I did this this with Breakthrough Advertising, which is a book by Eugene Schwartz and John Carlton's original Kick-Ass Copywriting Secrets course, and all the copywriting issues of the Gary Halbert letter, and most more recently Gary Bensavenga's DVD and uh, some other uh, products, but it, go through the best stuff you have at least 10 times. Just read through, if it's a book, read through it 10 times. And I know it sounds really tedious. I know it sounds boring. I know it sounds like, well, I need, you know, all the marketers out there who like to brag about how they have $10,000 worth of books on their shelves. Well, I gotta, I'll got i be honest with you, I don't think I even have more than like you know, other than the Ben Savanga DVD, which is kind of a big investment, I don't think I even have close to that on my shelf. And yet I know people who have everything and they're still struggling. And I think it all comes down to just mastering the basics. So if you find, like, a book or a course or anything that that you know is giving good information and that you resonate with, that's really important because everybody resonates differently with different teachers, go through it ten times minimum. And just, you know, highlight, take notes. If you're working on an ad, I can almost guarantee you will get ideas for that ad that you never would have gotten otherwise, really good ideas. It's almost like you're tapping into the brains of the people who wrote or created those products. So that's the first thing. I mean, I just I know it's hard work and all that, but trust me, if you're into this and you're serious, just, just do it. And trust me on this and just give it a try. And then I, I got good, extremely good advice. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, you know, I think... Well, actually, I got in this trap a few years ago, just buying everything having to do with direct response marketing and copywriting. And some of it was good, some of it not so good. But I think for some people it almost turns into a – it's almost kind of a delusion. They they feel like they're making forward progress because they have a growing library, when in fact you know, they're not really making forward progress because they're not getting the value out of the stuff they should have. I mean, when I read something one time, I get something out of it. But every subsequent time, I get more and more out of it. You know, for me, if I really need to get the maximum value out of a book or some sort of information product, the minimum for me is seven times. So your advice about don't, you know, don't spend every dime you got on building a library worth of stuff, get less stuff that resonates with you and is exceptionally good information and read it. Ten times each. Yeah, and and uh, you know this this will actually make and save you money because now you're not buying everything coming down the pike. And and I'm not saying not to buy multiple things. I'm just saying 
don't go on to the next thing until you've gone through the first thing ten times. And if something bores you right away, just throw it aside and start with something else. I'm talking about things that engage you and that you like. And it's you know you'd be amazed at what you get out of it on the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, tenth time, especially. I mean, oh my gosh, when whenever I write an ad, even to this day, when I write a sales letter, I don't let it leave even for anyone to look at until I've read it out loud ten times because. You just repetition just does something, and you you just keep getting ideas, and you, your brain just produces all these solutions to problems. And I mean, I can't tell you how many ads wrote themselves when I was reading Breakthrough Advertising. It was just almost like crazy. I almost didn't ever want to stop reading it because it just was made life so much easier on me. But I just think that's a huge, huge thing, and I can't tell you how many people tell me, Ben, I know I need to start doing that. I, I, I intend to do that. I have all these books, and then they never do it, you know. And then they're they're on the next launch uh, circle jerk there, and they and they just go on and on and on. And they're like, well, what do I do next? What do I do next? And you know, just cut all the noise out. Focus on the basics. Master those basics like nothing else. And you will just, I, I mean, you'll just rise to the top much faster. I can almost guarantee it. Um, I don't want to get you off track of of the next point you were going to cover, but I do want to ask you if you could reiterate the things, either the courses or the books that you consider, or it were at least were for you essential reading. You talked about John Carlton's kick-ass copywriting course. Oh, yeah. In fact, I'm the, actually rereading that right now. I mean, I never stopped reading this stuff, but I definitely went through that 10 or 15 times before I moved on to the next thing. You, you mentioned breakthrough advertising. Yes. You mentioned uh, the GaryHalbertLetter.com. Well, yeah, and, and I'm gonna. I have a point to make about that that I think will. This people might think I'm a little stupid for this, but I honestly think it made a huge difference. There's a, um, another Gary Halbert trained, you know, professional, awesome copywriter. His name is Scott Haynes. And I don't have a lot of his ads, but the few that I do, I just, I mean, I just study those things like crazy. And early on, he used to have a newsletter. This is back in 2002 or 2003. And he used to, he sold a few info products. And one of the products that he sold that I have since read like, I don't know, 25 times probably, was he just took the copywriting issues of the Gary Halbert letter. He had them bound and he sold them for like $200. Now, almost all of those were free on his site. But I just bought it because I knew if I bought it, especially since I really didn't even have $200, I think I'd gotten a copywriting job off Elance at the time when I bought it. I just invested it in that. Um, gosh, I mean, that made a huge difference. I mean, just once you buy something and you kind of you putting yourself on the line, it doesn't just sit on a desk if you really needed that money. You kind of have to get your investment back somehow. So I just want to add, not only it wasn't just all the Gary Halbert letters necessarily, but especially those copywriting issues. Good point. Um, yeah, you know, there's a problem with free, actually. Um, and the problem with free is people don't value it. Like, I can tell you from personal experience that the information on the GaryHalbertLetter.com can make you an absolute fortune. Um, you can learn how to be a copywriter on there. You can learn how to be a successful freelancer. You can learn how to start your own uh, mail order business, you can learn how to make a million dollars or more, you know, however much you want to make. The problem is it's available free and people don't value it. And I have kind of a gut feeling that you placed a higher value 
on that information and actually reading the information from the GaryHalbertLetter.com when you invested the $200 to buy it in printed form. Is that oh, right? A- absolutely. And, and you know what else he did that at the time I was I was annoyed for about five seconds when he did this, but he used to sell the – now the boron letters are free on there, but there was a time when he sold them for like $97 and they were bound in the – it was actually kind of cool how he did it. They were his handwritten letters to his son, bound together. And I mean, that is like, I mean, that everything you need to know about copywriting and marketing is basically in there. But I'll tell you what: had I not spent the ninety-seven dollars on that, I never would have read it and extracted the value I got from it than if I had seen it free. I mean, in a way, he almost did people a disservice by putting them out free. And, and sort of in a way, I mean, I'm not, I'm glad they're up there free, but I'm just saying if. You don't have the proper mindset; it can kind of backfire on you. Hmm. I'm, I may be hurting my subscribers by giving all my content away free. <laughs> well, I, you know, I won't comment on that necessarily, but I will <laughs> say that I, I have severely restricted the level of information I give away. I used to give away the farm, and I wasn't doing. And I even wrote about this last summer. So I remember this. I kept getting people complaining. You know, how can you complain when something's free? You know, but uh, it made me realize that the people who were who were actually applying information were buying stuff. And if you know, if, if that means you got to buy something to apply, I haven't done anyone any good if they don't actually apply what I say. And I, I'm not saying I never get value or anything, but I just I don't get into strict hard stuff that I would put in a product anymore. I mean, some of it's in there, but really, it's like. You know, I mean, it, it, you're almost doing people a disservice. Yep, good point. I, I agree. What else? Uh, what else did you do to get good so fast? Well, the other products. Um, it's funny you asked this question because this, uh, there was a subscriber to my newsletter. His name is uh, Colin. He he asked me this exact same question last last week on uh, Saturday night, and so it's kind of fresh in my head. But um, another course that I, I just went through. Not because I bought it, but because I was writing an ad for it. So that's kind of a nice perk to being a copywriter, actually. You get all these cool products and you get to use them free. Is uh, Ken McCarthy's copywriting product, which I believe you have. In fact, I know you have it because you gave him a testimonial for it. And Man, I went through that thing about 10, 15 times, too. Because I was writing an ad, I was still kind of, you know, I really wanted to impress him. <laughs> I didn't want to just throw him some you know, crappy little piece of ad and say, oh, here, look what I did. Um, you know, I, and as kind of a side note on that, I also want to say that if you can find someone who will rip your stuff apart the way he ripped my stuff apart, man, that will make you so you will light years ahead. You will leap light years ahead in your abilities um, in one second. I mean, literally, when you start realizing when somebody can just take it and objectively say, "Look, this needs to be fixed. This needs to be fixed. That needs to be fixed." and he did that for me, so I mean, if, in some ways, I should have paid him for that. <laughs> I think about it, but anyway, that was another product. Is Ken McCarthy's Advanced Copywriting for Serious Info Marketers? I think it's called. There was the uh, Gary Bensavenga DVDs, which um, I think I, I've, I'm still going through those. I mean, I don't. I've lost count how many times I've gone through it. Um, Paul Hartunian's Publicity System, which is really good, and. There's probably some other ones that are just kind of not on the top of my mind right now, but you know the key is just to find the ones that appeal to you and just tear right through them ten times the minimum and more. I mean, I've gone through some of this stuff more than ten times, and I always will. I mean, why stop? Good advice. 
hey, I want to tell you something about uh, the the Ken McCarthy copywriting course that I probably haven't ever told you. Um, he came out with that. When did he come? What year did he come out with that? I book? believe um, it's been around probably since early 2005. That's what I thought because uh, anyway, I bought his course, which is just awesome. You'll learn stuff in there that I've not heard anybody else teach. You know, none of the people who teach copywriting. So that's a great course. But um, I can't remember what blog I was on, but I was on a blog for copywriters, and there was a discussion about the promotion for for Ken McCarthy's copywriting course. And somebody knew that you'd wrote had written it, so somebody said, "Ah, oh, yeah, you know, Ben Settle wrote it. That's the first time I'd ever heard your name." And you know, and then I kept hearing more and more and more about Ben Settle. And the only thing, you know, I hadn't met you yet, but the only thing I could think of was, "Man, this Ben Settle guy has some <laughs> brass balls," because he took on a job for, you know, first of all, took on a job for Ken McCarthy, which is a you know, really heavy hitter, and he doesn't. In he does not suffer fools. I, I'll just put it this way. I mean, he's. <laughs> I mean, he's like in a way. He's like the best client you could have, but also a nightmare in a way because he will not. I mean, he will not let anything but your absolute best. <laughs> I mean, he's just not going to put anything out with his name on it that's not top shape. For for that reason, there are very few copywriters who would have accepted that gig. And the second reason is, uh, my God, man, you're writing copy for a copywriting course. <laughs> you're going to have every copywriter in the world with their arms crossed critiquing your piece, you know? Like, oh, jeez. <laughs> like, there's an old joke. I play guitar. There's an old joke. How many uh, how many guitar players does it take to change a light bulb? Well, it, it takes six. One to change a light bulb and five to stand around with their arms crossed <laughs> talking about how much better they could have done it. And it's kind of same same way with the copywriting world, you know. And and you know, actually, I take it back. I heard I read your name on that blog first, and then I actually sought out the promotion for the uh, for Ken's copywriting course. The interesting thing about that piece that you wrote was, I expected, you know, I expected this copy. I'm just going to be completely blown away by it which isn't what happened. What happened was I was drawn into the copy, of course, but the copy almost became invisible. Like I didn't notice the copy, and I was reading it as a copywriter with the intention of critiquing it. <laughs> yeah. But I got sucked into it, and I got so – it's like I didn't even notice the copy at that point. I was sucked in, and I was so rabid for the product. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean that's that's unfor I mean unfortunately that happens a lot where people are trying to impress other copywriters. And this is this by the way, I do not um there's only about let's see 4 5 maybe 7 people 10 the most who I even let read my ads that are in copywriting. I mean you would be one of them. You you actually looked at one of my ads recently. And that's because most people don't know how to like separate they're, they're trying to they're looking for like some kind of cool factor, but a good ad is not cool. I mean, it's it's just it's supposed to speak to the market. I like to let the market read things, you know. And what does the market think? I couldn't care less what any guru thinks, like, you know, as far as a copywriter or something. Not because I don't respect them or anything, but because who cares what they think as, a, as an advertising critic 
What I care about is what does the mark, what is that guy who has the problem that the product is supposed to help with, what does he think, you know? How is he going to be affected by this? So that was uh that was just an incredible piece of work you did. Like I said, it just it was it was a great example of how to write copy and it's a great example of what the copy's job should actually be, you know, not drawing attention to itself, but drawing, you know, drawing the reader into it and selling a product. So, you know, kudos to you for that because you you had the brass balls to accept that gig and then you just did an an exceptional job. Well, I mean, it, it like I say, I I'd love to take all the credit, but he really I mean, believe me, the first draft I handed in was not um good enough <laughs> in many ways and you know at the time I thought well what the hell does this guy know you know but I came to really take his advice to heart and I mean it just it's a, you know it, it changed my writing in a lot of ways and that you can never get from a book or anything I mean you just kind of have to have someone who's better than you dissect what you're doing it's kind of like if you're in golf you know and you play with Tiger Woods you know, no matter how good you are you're probably going to learn something life-changing about your game just by having someone like that look at what you're doing and you know i consider ken to be one of the top copywriters even though he doesn't bill himself as one but he's really i mean he really knows his stuff and like you're saying in his course he yeah he talks about the basics and the stuff you're going to find i mean there's always going to be overlap with other products and stuff but when he gets into positioning and the inner game stuff and some of that creepy stuff he talks about toward the end about other marketers out there and how to stop yourself, you know, prevent yourself from getting scammed and hurt by other marketers and clients and stuff. I mean, you just can't get most of that anywhere but from real life. Hard school of hard knocks. That's right. Hey, I want to ask I want to ask you one more of my questions and then I got a bunch of people have submitted a bunch of questions I'd like to get into real quick. Um, you've got a great blog by the way at bensettle.com and You've built up a real nice uh, fan base too, and so, well, t- two things basically. I I remember you saying a while back. I guess I don't know if it, if it was the BenSettle.com blog, but when you were first starting copywriting and didn't have work, you took that as an opportunity to write something every day for your blog, and you viewed that as first of all a way to get better at writing, and second of all a way to you know consistently put. Uh, a copy up on your blog. So, do you recommend that for just copywriters just starting out? Oh man, out? even more so. And, and I'll tell you exactly what happened. Um, I was having a year where just there wasn't a lot happening. I mean, I was making a lot of mistakes and that sort of thing. And I just had a lot of time on my hands. And I thought, well, I might as well write because you can always you. And, and when I say write, I'm writing. I was writing articles for like easing directories and stuff which is the same as if I was writing it for a blog or my website. And what what happens is, is you start saying, okay, I've learned all this stuff about writing ads. I can practice writing an ad. I can practice persuading people just to click a link at the end of my article, just like it was a sales letter. So you structure it. You know, you got your intro, you tell a story, you lead into some kind of a lesson. You're not selling anything, but you're kind of selling them on the click. So it's practice, practice, practice. You're constantly honing your abilities to sell in print so to speak and so what i did was I, I i was submitting something like 10 per day and this this went on for a while and then i what i ended up doing was i didn't put them all on my website but what happened was i compiled a bunch of them into an ebook that i gave away to people who opted into my 
newsletter on my website. And that ebook, which was just articles I had written when I had too much time on my hands, well, like I said, I was saying how there's all these marketers out there already looking for copywriters. And when I say that, I mean literally they're out looking for copywriters. They're just turned off by the hype and the nonsense that they see from people trying to, probably from people trying to impress other copywriters instead of like write good ads. And uh, two, I can tell you right now, two of my biggest clients just came because they read that ebook. They didn't even see my, uh, they never saw any of my ads. They, they never uh, looked at any of my work that I'd done. They didn't know anyone I knew. They just, they were out looking for copywriters and, or looking for someone they could believe in and trust, and they just happened to read that ebook. I mean, they both told me, oh, I read your ebook. I mean, I, just, I think your style is perfect for what I'm trying to do, and when can you start? I mean, that's how it, you always be writing, and that was one of that was number two of the three things I was going to say anyway about, you know, how to build your skills up fast. It's always, always, always be writing ads constantly. Good point. I probably cut you off. You were going to say of three three different things how to get better at writing let's go well, back to that yeah the third thing was um you know there's actually like 10 things i could say but um besides writing ads out by hand which we already talked about another thing is just to become really really good at sales in general i mean the more you learn about selling and i'm not talking about the kind of mickey mouse stuff that you see people talk about all the tactics and all that I'm talking about learning how to identify problems people have and then figure out how to talk to those problems. And you can only do that really by learning sales. They don't really teach that in copywriting necessarily. And so that's the third thing is just, you know, either just, you know, try to sell something. Even if you're just selling yourself to other clients, just get out there and try to sell people something. And that'll, that alone, I mean, that'll, that's just, that'll give you another quantum leap in your knowledge and you'll start realizing that. You can only learn so much from a book. I mean, sometimes you got to go out there and just do things. Yeah, good advice. You're not. You're not really. You're basically a salesman in print. It doesn't have anything to do with being a good writer, so to speak. It has everything to do with being a good salesman in print. So, uh, yeah, very good point. I, I, I take it back. There's one. I said I was only going to ask one question. There's one more question I want to ask you. One of my questions before we get into the the subscriber questions um how'd you build up such a nice uh fan base for your blog what have you specifically done to do that or what do you recommend um this is another thing where i i mean there's a lot of things that i've done one thing i'm i'm purposely and deliberately not going to reveal <laughs> ever for free anywhere so I, i'll leave that out but that this is something i was teasing my list about a few weeks back saying you know what's the real key to selling on the internet and people would were saying, well, it's value or it's teaching or putting out lots of content. And I'm like, no, no, it's none of that stuff. That's all important. Don't get me wrong. All that stuff's important, and those are things that I definitely do. But there is one thing that almost nobody is teaching that if they just did that, I don't think they'd ever have a problem getting a following. But um, to answer your question, um, one thing that I definitely do, and I, I just kind of I did this basically because through observation, I noticed Gary Halbert did it. And I noticed like guys like Dan Kennedy do it, and I noticed a lot of other people who are very successful do it, so I just started doing it, is you just let your personality shine through. I mean, I'm, I'm the first person to admit I'm not the coolest guy in the world. You know what I mean? I'm, I've got some kind of weird interests and tastes. You know, I'm sitting here putting videos about Bigfoot up on my site and things like that. 
I mean, let's face it, I'm not exactly the kid, the most popular kid in school, but that personality, people know that they're dealing with a real person. And an, an example of this would be, I used to collect comic books when I was a kid. I probably still would if I had more time, but I was always intrigued by um, some of these comics. I mean, they really got like rabid fans. If you ever been to a comic book convention, and I was thinking about Spider-Man in particular. This character has been worth billions of dollars, you know, in the Marvel comics. And I remember reading an, uh, an interview with the writers, one of the writers of uh, Spider-Man at the time, and he was like, you know, I realized that. People are not just buying the comic book to see Spider-Man kick someone's ass. They also want to see what's going on in Peter Parker's life, love life and stuff. You know, it's almost a soap opera aspect of it. And he, there's a lot of personality in those comics. And you can, if you look at like, any really successful marketer, I mean, they're not cold fish. They're out there giving their personality. And you're not always going to like it, but it's like a real person. I mean, even guys like who are really polarizing, like, for example, Take a guy like Rush Limbaugh, for example. I heard something like 50% of the people who listen to him hate him, but they sure love his personality because they're listening every day. You know, they may hate his guts and anything he stands for, but a lot of people just, they like his personality. And uh, a lot of TV shows are like that, like sports shows on ESPN and stuff. A lot of those shows are driven by some personality. It's not necessarily the content or the information. So I would say personality is a big, big thing. Don't Don't hold back. I mean... Be who you are, and if people don't like it, they, there's a little link down there that says unsubscribe, and, you know, go fly a kite, man. I don't, you know, it's not for everybody. <laughs> you know, I've never actually heard anybody say that uh, for building, a, you know, a base of fans for your blog, but so true. So tr- I mean, I hear stuff like, well, you got to consistently put up content. Well, okay, yeah, but... Yeah, but if your content has no personality, I don't think they're going to return. I don't think so either. And, you know, if they do, it's probably in a freebie mindset. Well, this is free. It's not because they're engaged by it. And I would say that that is almost as important as the one thing that I'm deliberately withholding. But personality alone will take you a long way. I'm glad you shared that. And, um, you know, I think uh, I think I probably... Uh, um, Need to start incorporating more of that in in, in my blog too. Um, I think you do a good job of it, especially on your Doberman Dan show. I mean, you know, it's 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 the it's the real Doberman Dan. It's not some shadow of someone else. It's not like you're trying to be like someone else or like you know. It's almost like if you send a photocopy, right? You take a photocopy of a driver's license. And then you fax, fax that to someone else, and that fax looks blurry. And then you take that fax and photocopy that. This is what a lot of people are doing out there. It's just they're trying to be like someone else, and they're not being themselves. That's true. I, uh, you know, I, I, I do my best to try to let my personality show through in my articles. But the few videos I've actually made for the site, I've stifled myself because um, – <laughs> I, I've wanted to make a few jokes here and there, and I thought, eh, nah, better not. But you know what? I probably shouldn't worry about that. You know, if I make a joke and nobody likes it, well, big deal. You know, I think <laughs> I should, I, sh- I should probably, uh, uh, you know, warts and all, you get Doberman Dan. At least that's been the goal of my articles. But I don't think I'm going to stifle myself in the future on any audios or, or videos based on, you know, based on that advice. Uh, I want to get into some reader questions, and the first one I'm going to start with 
is Dean from London because he stayed up really late to be on this call. It's like, well, it's almost 9 o'clock Eastern time. It's probably almost, holy smokes, like 3 in the morning over there or something. Yeah. So, you know, thanks, Dean. Appreciate it. I hope... Uh, I hope missing sleep. Uh, I hope that I hope all this was worth the missing sleep you did. Anyway, he says hi. Great interview. Ben has an awesome blog, and I'd be interested to hear any tips he has for starting out blogging and generating an audience from scratch. Thanks for the opportunity of this material. So you know, we basically already covered that, but I just wanted to give a shout out to Dean for staying up late to listen to us. Do you have anything else to add to that for for starting out blogging and generating an audience from scratch? Well, yeah, we did cover the the personality aspect and all that, and I would say um, this isn't going to generate a lot of traffic, but it will steadily build you some traffic and some good backlinks, and that is blog every single day or at least five days a week, and then take that blog and put it on like easingarticles.com and try to maybe keyword optimize the title. Um, you know, that's a whole other thing in and of itself, and there's lots written on that for free on the Internet. And you'll start, you know, you'll make Google happy, you'll make easingarticles.com happy, and you'll make yourself happy because you'll start getting some more traffic that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And you already did the work. I mean, you already wrote the article. That's right. So just recycle it and put it up there. What was the the website again? Easingarticles.com. And you can also, um, one cool thing you can do too is uh, you can have, for example, some social media sites like Facebook. You can have them pull your feed automatically. I mean, you'd have to go on there to see how to do it. So now you'll syndicate it on Facebook, too, and all your friends there will see it. And then maybe put a link on Twitter, too. And Now you're getting out there in multiple different places. Good idea. Uh, thanks for the question, Dean, and thanks for staying up late. Um, check this out, Ben. Uh, Kyle Tully in, in Sydney. Australia. Oh, Kyle. I know Kyle. Do you know Kyle really? I okay, know Kyle. Well, he's a cool guy. I, I would I would like to know. I'd like to have the opportunity to get to know Kyle because check out his message. He says I've actually got 749 guys in the room with me right now, so your stats are off. <laughs> <laughs> so a big shout out to Kyle in in Australia. I have no idea what time it is down there. I'm assuming it's Sydney, Australia. Um. Let's see, Angel Suarez in Palm Bay. What do you find to be the most effective way to create trust and remove distrust? Very good question. Well, you know, there's a lot of people who, unfortunately, all they'll do is say, well, you got to get testimonials, and, you know, like that's some magical thing. And I, I'm glad that recently uh, people are coming to the realization that testimonials are probably the weakest form of you know, proof and trust you can get these days because they're so easily manufactured. But, man, I, I will tell you this. There's lots of lots of ways to do this, but the easiest way that I know of to do it is to tell a story in your ad about someone who's in the market, who's facing the exact same problem as the people in your market, and how they overcame that problem. You know, and you're doing this in story form by finding your product. And they will just feel like they, they will feel like they are talking to a kindred soul. I mean, people talk a lot about, well, here's how you use proof. You do this, you do that. You show numbers, you show screenshots. Forget all. I mean, do you can do that. I'm not saying don't do it. But if you just learn how to tell a story from the point of view of someone going through the exact same problem that your product solves in your ad, whether it be you or somebody else, 
it will go a long way toward building trust and getting people just to not only believe you, but just they can't get enough of what you're saying. Good tip, and thanks for the question, uh, Angel. Good question. Hey, Ben, I, I want to ask a favor. It's 8.56 now. I told you we'd only be on the phone till 9. Can you stick around a few minutes more to oh, get through the we, rest of these? We can, we can spend another hour if you want. I've, I've, we can keep rolling as long as you want. Okay, I I mean we've we've got more subscriber questions. I got more questions for you, you know. If people need to jump off the line, then do what you got to do. Um but I'm recording this so they can catch, you know, if they got to run, they can catch the rest of it later. Uh Tammy in Pennington Gap asks, "Do you think the majority of written copy will eventually be mostly persuasion by video? Which do you think is the best to learn. You know that that's a very good question because man, there's so much, so many people who who, for example, people who sell audio, they're going to tell you audio is the best. People who sell video stuff, they're going to tell you video is the best. People who are hardcore copywriters and you know text, they're going to tell you you know you only need a sales letter. My take on this is do whatever works for your market. I mean, some people absolutely hate reading, and this is a absolute. From what I understand, this is a neurological fact, like neurologists, and I'm going on memory here. This is something Ken McCarthy told me, actually, because he studies neurology, I guess. And he was saying that neurologists can't even understand how the human brain can even communicate through the written text, something like that. So it's really hard for, I mean, a lot of people just don't like reading. I, those of us in marketing who are buying all these books and stuff, we love it. But we're kind of like freaks, I mean, compared to the rest of the population. I mean, most people don't like it. I think I don't know what the statistic is, like 42% of people never read another book when they graduate college or something. So I would say use anything that works. I mean, I'll give you an example. Just six months ago, I bought a $1,000 info product um, based solely on a teleseminar. I didn't even read the ad. I didn't see a video either. But there have been times where I've only bought from ads, like Gary Bensavenga's $5,000 DVD seminar, there's no audio or video on that at all. I don't even think there's a picture in it other than the top graphic. So text can work, audio can work, video can work. The most important thing you can do is get your message to market match down first. Get that down first, and then you can start experimenting with whether video or audio or text or whatever works better. But that message to market is most important. That is extremely important. You know, I have a theory. One of the one of the niches that I have a business in is is the bodybuilding market. Uh, because if, if anybody didn't know this, this DobermanDan.com site is not my business. It's a it's a passion. Yeah. At this point, I don't you know I don't make a dime from it. I got real work to do, and I own real businesses, and I got to steal time when I can to do this stuff for DobermanDan.com. But uh, brief little rant there. But uh, my <laughs> bodybuilding niche. I've noticed something. It appears to me that the younger guys in that niche, a lot of them are almost functionally illiterate. Um, you know, people my age, I'm going to be 45 in December, seems like people my age and older, as a general rule, are still readers, and definitely the boomers are readers, you know market to somebody in their 60s and 70s and you know send them a magalog or direct mail that 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 
those guys are readers. But I'm just, I don't have anything to back this up, Ben, but I think um, a lot of people in my market, you know, especially if they went to public schools, are functionally illiterate. They can't, they cannot understand what they read, or possibly they can't even really read, and they definitely can't communicate by the written word. I just judge that based on the customer service calls that my customer service center gets and the emails that they get. And so, I don't know, I just have a gut feeling that video may be, or audio, or both, may be more effective for that crowd as opposed to the baby boomer market. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me one bit. And on the other hand, you know, and and, and this is no reflection on anybody in particular, I'm just saying, personally, I wouldn't, I would, this is an old Gary Halbert teaching that I, I always remembered is, you know, go after players with money. And usually they tend to be readers, but that doesn't mean, you know, anyone who doesn't like reading isn't a player with money. But I was just thinking, you know, I, I don't know if this means anything to anyone in any way, shape, or form, but I'm just using myself as an example. I have probably the lowest attention span of anybody I know in my age, and like Generation X. I Honestly, I, I just cannot, unless there's like lightsabers or hobbits or superheroes in a movie or TV show, <laughs> unless Jack Bauer's like got someone strung up to a, a you know, lamppost and is electrocuting them to get information or... You know, someone's, you know, lost on an island out in the middle of nowhere, and, you know, I'm just going through all my favorite TV shows. But anyway, my point <laughs> is is that I have a really low attention span, and they say, that, like, a short video is good for people with low, I've heard this at least, is good for people with low attention spans. I can't even sit through a video. <laughs> I, I mean, this is why I say, you know, do it, test everything, because you never know what your market's going to respond to. Yeah, that's true. Um, here's one from Jim in Bellevue, Colorado. Another good question. These are all really good questions. Uh, yeah, man, I get this a lot, so I'm glad you're going to answer this. How do you write a persuasive piece without all the hype that so many copywriters these days use? Well, I, you know, this that is a good question because, I mean, it, it's like if you get grounded in the basics – in the fundamentals of, of selling and writing an ad, hype has almost, I mean, it amazes me that people actually believe they got to hype things up. And this is the problem with just studying any old sales letter out there just because it pulled a lot of sales in. Again, some of these launches, for example, are so masterfully done that nobody's even reading the ad. So, But people will say, well, that launch brought in you know $10 million, and Man, I'm going to copy that. I'm going to get that sales letter. I'm going to mimic it in my swipe file, and I'm going to use it. And I'm, you know, I'm a stud copywriter now. When nothing can be further from the truth, that they just threw the thing together, and you know, you have like these 30-word headlines that are just nothing but hype and adjectives, and you know, they're, it really doesn't even matter what they say. They could put an order here button, and they would buy. So my point is, is you don't need all that hype if you have substance, if you do your research right, if you know exactly what that prospect that you're writing to needs to hear at that particular time in his life talking to his most urgent problem or desire and you just tell them how you can solve that problem or get that whatever it is they want you don't need all that hype you just have to show them remember if you're going after people who already want something remember the starving crowd you don't have to hype up how good your hamburger is you know just tell them you have a hamburger and here's why you should buy mine instead of someone else's 
and do your research. You don't need all that hype. And one way to really tone things down, I think, if you're kind of worried about this is, you know, would write your sales letter in a blank email as if you were writing to your own mother, you know, and see how it reads. Would you use, like, a, you know, five exclamation points to, you know, and the word free every five seconds? Or would you talk like a rational human being to someone you care about, showing them the answer to their most urgent problem? I mean, it's really that simple. Just That's a great way to do kind of a gut check. What I, and, you know, of course, you may be writing to a market that, your mom's not in. So, I mean, that you know, think of someone else maybe who fits the bill there. But the point is, is you don't have to use all that hype. Just, you know, talk to their problems. The message to market matches everything. That's a, that's a good technique, the, the blank email technique you were talking about for, you know, write like you're writing to your mother. Good, yeah, or, good. you know, someone in the market. Remember that um, ad I, I, I sent you guys, the one about the grappling a few weeks yeah. ago? Yeah. I mean, that okay, my mom's not in that market, right? But, I mean, it's easy to picture someone, you know, I know who that market is, and it's not the normal, it's not actually the martial arts crowd in this guy's case. It's someone, a different type, segment of the market. I mean, I know people who are in that market, and it's very easy for me just to kind of write that like I'm writing to them, and I'm just telling an interesting story, and then it just leads into the product, which leads into the benefits, which leads into the sale. And there's no hype in that. I mean, I don't remember any hype in it. And uh, so I, I would just say, that, you know, just it doesn't have to be your mom, but I mean, just I just use that as an example. Just someone in the market that you love or care about. Yeah, good example. Um, I'm looking at Kyle Tully's message again. Is he from Sydney, Australia? Is there another Sydney I don't know about? I, I'm not sure. Where, I know he's in Australia, but I'm not sure what city. Oh, it's then it's got to be Sydney, Australia. Do you think he really has 749 guys in the room with him? <laughs> hey, you never know. He's a he's he's got like a big time consulting course out there, which um, sounds like it's doing really good. And you know, knowing what I know about him, I've, I've seen what he says in forums and stuff. He's one of the extremely knowledgeable guys, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of the better ones out there. Cool. Well, it's good to have him on the call. Um, Sean in Toledo. Uh, this is another excellent question. He asks, Ben, how did you know when you were really ready to take on your first client? Did you have some type of success with one of your own ads that led you to believe you were ready? Um, I didn't think I was ready. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell you what kind of happened. I, I was still sort of flirting in the MLM industry at the time, and what I did was I wrote some sales letter. I, I bought some leads, and I got their ma snail mail addresses, and I wrote, um, I did one of those Dan Kennedy three uh, sequence type things, and that was my first ones. And they did, I think I did get a couple people who called me back, and you know I don't remember what happened after that, but I knew at that point at least that there was something worth, you know, I had something to offer. So what I did was, there was this uh, email list I was part of called the Send Free Roundtable, and I have no idea if it's still around or not, but it was basically like a little group you could join on the internet and everybody could kind of send an offer to the whole group. I mean, it's kind of like a Yahoo group type thing. And they welcomed you sending an offer as long as it wasn't like um, – they probably don't wouldn't do it anymore like this, but back then, early 2000s, the hype factor wasn't quite like it is today. And I did an offer to – I just wanted to get something going. I just wanted to get a client just so I could get some real-world experience. And I offered to write ads in that joint venture fashion – but only for like 5%. I mean, I don't know. I was just stupid at the time. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I wrote three or four ads out of that. And 
um, I didn't make much money out of any of those, but I knew at that point that I was at least, you know, worth getting paid to do it. Let's put it that way. After I had those ads in my portfolio and stuff and, you know, you just kind of got to get out there. One thing you can do is just find something to sell on eBay and write an ad for it. And if it's something people want, you're going to make sales and you'll know that really writing has almost nothing to do with it. I mean, at, at, you know, at its highest level. I mean, really writing is just that kind of greased thing that kind of greases the slide there so people can get to your order form, but it's mostly sales and psychology. Good good tip. Um, I just noticed we got somebody else with us from the UK who's up extremely late. <laughs> uh, John Canning from the UK says, Ben, loved your book, Copywriter's Crib Sheet. I need to know what you think about headlines. Uh, let me see. Sorry, I may I may not have read that right. I need to know what you think about headlines, the book name. One line only or a longer subtitle as well. When you know he's the, talking about I don't know if he's talking about headlines for just books or just headlines in general. I think he's just talking about headlines in general. Well, I mean, this is the thing. I I'm not a big fan of rules. Um you know, you test everything. You know, if you're if you're if it's something you're concerned about, I'm assuming that you can test. I mean, there are some cases where people I just have one shot and they don't intend to test, or maybe they don't have the traffic where it's even like worth that time yet to test. Which people will probably get on me for saying that. But I mean, if you only have five visitors coming to your site, you know, what are you testing? You know, but the point is, is if you can test it, um, fi- you'll find out. I mean, test the long one, test the short one, test the subheadline under it. Hey, you know what? This is going to sound really crazy. Test without a headline. Just see what happens. I mean, what 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 does it hurt? I mean, wasn't Gary Halbert's big coat of arms letter that had no headline on it, and yet that was like the most mailed letter in history. And of course, that was a different media that was direct mail, but still, test everything just just for fun of it. I mean, you'll find that a lot of rules are made to be broken. So there is no, in my opinion, there's no one size fits all. Some people have one word headlines. Some people. Some people like to do these like three or four readers digest letter headlines like three or four words and they all work but really if you get the message to market match down and you're saying exactly what that person needs to hear at that per- exact time in his life about a very specific problem that's bothering him and keeping him up at night you know just say it and you know, I wouldn't worry about length too much What is Copywriter's Crib Sheet? Is that a book of yours? Well, and one of my websites for the copywriting grab bag book that I sell, um, there's an like a pop up that comes up where you can opt in to get a free ebook, and I called it the copywriter's crib sheet, and it's basically um, some articles I've written a long time ago, some of which are floating around the internet, some which aren't, but they're all compiled together, and uh, I just came with the word crib sheet because everybody's using the word cheat sheet these days, and I didn't want to sound like everybody else. And, um, yeah, it's just it, in fact that's the ebook that has gotten me landed me a couple of my best clients. Okay, cuz I got your book, but I, I this is the first time I had ever ever heard about this one. Yeah, that's a that's a free one though. Okay. An opt-in one. Here's a question, couple questions from Frank in Newfoundland, Canada. Is the copy Ben wrote for Ken McCarthy's copywriting course available to review? Is it up on Ben's site as a sample, or is the current promo at Ken's site Ben's copy? Um, as far as I know, it's still up. I mean, you could find it through 
tenmccarthy.com. Um, you could also go to secretcopywritingtactics.com, which is my affiliate link for it. Um, not that you have to go there or anything, but uh, it, it should still be up. I mean, as far as I know. If it's not, then you know, I'm not sure what where, where you'd find it. Yeah, everybody should go to that site. This what was it? Secret copywriting. Oh, secretcopywritingtactics.com, and um, I will say it doesn't look like a sales letter that a copywriter. I hope it doesn't look like on a copywriter wrote. I mean, the headline is about as far from hype as you can get, and but it's written to people who know a little bit about copywriting, but they're struggling with it. They don't know where to turn, and you know, yada yada yada. It's not really necessarily written to someone who's never heard about copywriting before. Yeah, that's everybody should check out that site because that's just an, a great example of uh, of great copy of how to how to write copy um, that uh, you know. Like I said earlier, it it doesn't draw attention to itself. It, it does what it's supposed to do. It gets you reading about the product and excited about the product. Um, Frank in Canada has another question, but I'm not going to ask it because I'm sorry, you're limited to just one question. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> ben mentioned Eugene Schwartz, Benzavenga, Halbert, Carlton, etc. What's Ben's opinion on Clayton Makepeace? Um, I haven't read a lot of his stuff. I mean, obviously, I know who Clayton Makepeace is, and I have tremendous respect for him. But, you know, there's just only, you know, not every teacher resonates with everyone. And, you know, he's just, you know, there's, he's just not necessarily my cup of tea as far as teaching style, which, you know, makes some people probably throw their hands up and shriek at me or something. But, again, this is just, everyone has different teaching styles that they resonate with, and, I've read a lot of his stuff. Don't get me wrong. I think his information. I'll tell you what. He wrote an article about how to get inside the mind of your prospect, and it's. I don't. Remember, you know, I, I think he wrote it back in like 2006 or something. That one issue is just solid gold. I mean, I, I just couldn't believe how much value I got out of that one one uh, issue. So I'm a big fan of his. I just. I'm not like one of these. You know, I'm not certainly not a groupie or anything. You know, I, I do drink the Kool Aid of some people, like. Lentzavanga or Gary Halbert and that sort of thing, but um, you know I can't say I know a lot about Mr. Makepeace. Yeah, he's uh, his website is at makepeacetotalpackage.com, and he just he gives away a ton of content. So you know you should definitely check him out. Um, you know, that like might ben be why I haven't done it. Maybe it's because he gives away free, and I just you know. I need to pay for something because I'm some, which is kind of weird, you know. Most people want free. I want to pay for it, you know. Well, here's the deal. Uh, there's a lot of great information on Clayton's site, but you know what? Don't go there. I'm going to charge you a thousand bucks. So send me a check for a thousand bucks as soon as it, as soon as I get your check, then you can go on and, and look at his info. Um, uh, oh well, Frank asked a third question here. I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off, Frank. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he says, I purchased Ben's copywriting grab bag. Is it the same product as the copywriter's crib sheet? Well, we kind of already answered that, right? Yeah, you you know what? I get this question a lot, though. Maybe I, I should probably answer it just publicly. Um, a lot of times people will buy the copywriting grab bag. Either they bought it with before I put the crib sheet up there in a pop-up, or they just bought it first time they visited that sales letter. 
So if they go to the main copywritinggrabbag.com, there's a pop-up box. Even if you bought the book, you can just you know opt in and then get the book and opt out if you want. And that's how you can get it for free. Okay. All right. Good. Thanks. Um, most everybody seems to be on the webcast page, but we do have a few people with us on the phone. If anybody's actually listening in on the phone, wants to ask Ben a question, you can press uh, asterisk 2, and that will raise your hand on my little website I'm looking at if the technology works like it's supposed to. So if you want to ask Ben a question, right now punch in, that is if you're on the phone listening to this teleconference, punch in uh, asterisk and the number two, and that'll raise your hand. And then, again, if the technology works, I supposedly can unmute you, and we can take your question live. Um, in the meantime, I got a couple more. If you can hang out with us a few more minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got the next hour blocked off. So whatever we got to do to get to everyone's questions. Here's one came up a lot. Uh, I get asked a lot, and I believe it came up during a previous teleseminar, how do you come up with the big idea when you're writing copy? How do you come up with that hook or big idea? Do you have any techniques for that? Yeah, um, I do, actually. Because I remember you had this in your little bullet point, so I was expecting this one. Um, remember that ad I, I was, we were just talking about, the one about the grappling product? Yes. Okay, that... Grappling, the market that he's selling to is not martial arts fanatics who would even know what grappling is. (laughs) So how do you make something like grappling sexy to someone who doesn't want to have to practice, they don't want to have to learn anything, you know, they just kind of want to learn how to kick someone's butt and, you know, push a button, you know, basically. Well, that, that was a challenge, you know, how do you do that? Well, all I did was a lot of research. And the big idea was very obvious to me when I learned that people used to use grappling back in ancient Rome to wrestle lions and stuff. There was my hook. I just did a lot of research. I I found out some things about the topic, and I put it in the ad into a story form, and that was the big idea. And by the time we got to the product, they didn't even, you know, whether it was grappling or karate or whatever, really didn't matter. They just knew they wanted to be able to you know, fight people like gladiators and samurai and that sort of thing. And that's your big idea. Just find some interesting little tidbit that you know the market will be turned on by. And boom, you've got it. You've got your idea. You can center your whole ad around that. And then the benefits and all that follow after you tell your story. But really, the big idea is just it's just digging it up. Dig, dig, dig. Good stuff. Hey, uh, Dean in London has another question. And uh, he says... You know, one other thing. I'll just I'll just say this real briefly. I really like the people from the UK. It seems like, um, you know, every now and then my customer service people will will forward certain emails to me that I need to handle, and every single time, almost without exception, I get an email from somebody from the UK. They're just so polite and nice yeah. and. And well-spoken, you know, as opposed to some of the other emails I get from, you know, people who are like, uh, I, ooh, e, ah, ah, bing, bang, walla, walla, bing, bang. <laughs> you know, they, you know, are like, hey, give me a training program now. Like, yeah, they oh. are. They're very polite. Over and, and same with Australia. I've never Australia, met anyone from Australia right. I didn't like. 
That's right. You know, I get these emails from people in the U.S. I'm like, hey, uh, give me a training program because uh, <laughs> I need one. Like, I want know, but I get a... <laughs> Yeah. But the, the, the people from the U.K. and Australia are so nice and polite and so well-spoken. I'm, you know, I, I probably shouldn't have said that. Now people in the U.S. are going to be offended. But anyway, Dean says, hey, guys, still here and enjoying the information. It's 2.15 a.m. right now, and I'm glad I stayed up. I actually have a history based on sales, and I've been very interested in Ben's points about sales and psychology being key. Many salespeople I know have relied on being order takers for a long while and are suffering right now. My personal style is to play to the very basic needs of the individual. In business, it generally comes down to profit, and in the consumer market, it is generally security and relationships. Would Ben agree that you need to break even the most complex sales down to very basic needs like this? Yeah, and in fact, I have a perfect story to illustrate exactly what Dean is saying. Um, there's this guy. His name is Jim Camp, and he's like the negotiation like master of the world. You know, he's like, you know, he's the man when it comes to negotiation. And Michael Senoff interviewed him. I think it was last year. There's not a, you know, these days I just don't have a lot of time to listen to newer stuff. I like to just kind of read, like I've explained, I like to kind of go over stuff I've already heard. But this interview Michael did with uh, Jim Camp was just phenomenally good. I mean, I, that was one of the ten time things I listened to. And he told this story about, uh, and this changed a lot of the way I thought about sales, by the way. He told the story about when he was just starting out selling water filters door to door. Um I guess he was kind of a younger guy, maybe even a teenager at the time. And he had, you know, he'd read all the books and, you know, all the tricks and all the tactics and all that stuff. And, you know, he was ready to go out there with the, with, you know, whatever the books were telling him to do and, and all that and all the fake enthusiasm and all that stuff and fast talking. And three weeks, he said, you know, he did everything the company told him to do. Three weeks, he was in a neighborhood which, which actually had problems with their local water supply. So they would be good prospects. And yet three, weeks not one sale he said he finally just said the heck with this he threw the stupid script out knocked on the door and said just tell me you don't want soft hair and i'll leave you alone he said people started opening doors he was just he got it down to that one basic need that his thing could solve that was in that neighborhood that though people had that problem they, they were they could relate to that oh yeah my hair is all greasy or whatever and that is breaking it down to like its most basic benefit and need and i think dean is absolutely right about that that's a great story hey just tell me you don't want soft hair and i'm gone yeah well i mean you can do that even cold calling whatever i mean you know let's say you're calling marketers up who are, you think are looking for copywriters right because they're using sales letters hey my name is so and so and you know i know that you're using sales letters now and i just want to let you know i'm i can write some sales letters if you don't need that well that's fine I mean, you don't take it personally, right? But you've just told them what you do, and you've given them that chance to tell you yes, they want it, or no, they don't. If they don't, you haven't wasted any more time on it. Just tell me I don't need a good sales I wouldn't say just tell me you need a good sales letter. I'll leave you alone. But you know what I mean. Basically, you want to use that same approach of you know, that you know they want something. Here's how you can get it, and if they don't, next. Move on to the next thing. It's really that simple. That is true. That's That's breaking it down to... To its most simple component, there. That's true. Hey, you've uh, you've developed this um, 
just you're you're in the you're just launching it or you can fill me in but um you've developed the cracker jack selling system which uh which is is not specifically about copywriting it's it's basically about selling in general and, yeah. and persu- you know and, and persuasion really too um so I'd like to know how do you sharpen your pers- first of all tell me more about the cracker jack selling system and and where where you're at with it right now and then tell me and then how do you sharpen your pers- persuasion skills Okay well the cracker jack selling secrets um is a book that I've written and I wanted to do something like this for a long time it's almost like 101 I mean it is 101 ways to sell ethically uh, legally, morally, no black hat stuff, uh, no pressure, no hype, no rejection type stuff. I mean, it's just it's like 101 ways that you, anybody can use to sell whatever they have to sell. And the thing about it is, though, that it's a book that I'm giving away to people who join a CD of the month thing I'm developing right now, where I'm going to interview top salespeople. And by that I mean they could be social media experts, they could be email experts, copywriting experts, negotiating experts. I mean, they're just experts in selling and persuasion in some form. Uh, uh, Jim Yagi, who is in our mastermind group, he's agreed to do it. Um, you know, he's going to talk about pay-per-click selling. So all these different ways to sell that everybody is either exposed to or maybe they need, want to know more about. So every month I'll, I'll be talking to a different expert basically on that. And the book, yeah, it's selling tips, but you can pretty much apply most of them to any kind of selling you're doing. Uh, I mean, this is stuff, it's almost like I wrote this just because I wanted to have the stuff that I use almost in like a list form, and then I decided to turn it into a book and kind of flushed it out. So that's the that's what that is, and that's a couple months off. I'm just I'm really behind on it, but that'll be launched probably in another couple months or so. Yeah, I know. I'm still waiting on my copy. <laughs> well, it's coming, and and um, the, you know it's funny. I I don't. I swear I'm not doing this stuff on purpose, and I've been accused of doing this on purpose. Um, it took me almost a year to launch the copyright and grab bag book. <laughs> you know, people are waiting, sitting on my notification list. You know, like when's this book coming out? And are you just jerking me around? And you know, it's eight months later, and I'm like, no, I just, you know, when it's kind of like it's my passion this side, my real income comes from doing what i'm teaching <laughs> but um i'm not dragging it out on purpose it just it is taking me i want to do it right and i'd rather do it right and make everyone happy than do it half-assed and make everyone mad so that's the explanation for that okay well we'll we'll wait for it we'll we'll give you the time you need but you know <laughs> i i do want my copy so <laughs> don't forget about me um so in the research that you've been doing for this project what uh what tips have you got about sharp how to sharpen your persuasion skills? Okay, I, you know what? Just to kind of make up for taking my sweet old time on this and making everybody angry at me for not getting it out, um, I'm going to give away Cracker Jack selling secret number two in the book. So this is in the book. It's number, I believe I have it as number two because I think it's the second most important thing. It could even be the most important thing, but either way, I'm going to tell you a story that um, this guy told me and I think it'll make the whole idea of persuasion and sales, again, down to its most basic fundamental level. And that is, there's this guy, Doug Deanna. He's a top, top, top Magalog copywriter. He's the he's one of the few copywriters I believe Gary Bensavanga recommends people go to, like clients and stuff. 
I mean, he's just he's just up there in the upper reaches of the whole A-list copywriting world. And he agreed to let me interview him for my copywriting grab bag book a couple of years ago. And uh, at the time, I had just gotten a dog. And like most new dogs, and even now, two years later, she still doesn't listen to me very well. But at the time, she didn't listen to me at all. And I, I guess I had mentioned that to him or something. And he goes, we were talking about, you know, what's the key to selling? And he goes, Ben, do you have a dog? I said, I have a dog. Yeah, I, you know, I just got it. He goes, okay, does your dog listen to you? I said, no, she doesn't listen to me at all. He goes, well, he goes, well I'm a stranger. This, your dog has never seen me before, never caught my scent before, has no idea who I am. And yet I bet you I could walk into your house and I could get your dog to run up into my lap and jump in my lap no matter what. And I said, well, how would you do that? He goes, I'd simply walk in and hold up her favorite dog cookie and she'd come running to me. And you know what? I don't think there's a dog owner in the world who couldn't relate to that story. Um, even your Doberman, I would guess, would probably <laughs> do something like that's that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and that's what it's all about. It's not about tricks and tactics, as Jim Camp taught in that story I've related to you. It's just about finding out what people want. And then show, here's how you get it. Here's what they want. How can what I sell give them what they want? It's really no more complicated than that. So I guess the answer to the question is, is not so much concentrate on a lot of tactics, but use more strategies to find out what people already want. Become an expert at digging up what people really want. And then selling becomes much, much easier. That's a great that's a great analogy with the dog. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I gotta ask you this, um, because I just couldn't, you know, let you get by without answering this question. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm real curious about your answer too. What are the selling secrets you learned from Bigfoot? First of all, you know, tell everybody about your Bigfoot trip, and then tell us what, if any, selling secrets you learned from it. Well, I've I've learned two things from Bigfoot. Bigfoot could be one of my, uh, you know, if he had a book out, I'd probably read it ten times straight. <laughs> but um, basically, the first thing I can say is, uh, if you think about it, uh, uh, you know what, I'll tell you the, the story of the trip, and then the two lessons will become very clear. Uh, my wife and I drove, uh, took a two-week road trip recently, and on our way back, we stopped in a town called Willow Creek, California, which is not too far from where we live, and it's not too far from where that original Bigfoot sighting was, where you see that video, they call it the Patterson-Gimlin video. That's where, you know, everyone's probably seen this video at some point or another, where it kind of looks at the camera and keeps walking. Well, that's where it was at. I mean, we're just we're just like a hop, skip, and a jump from there. And so this town, though, apparently is just all Bigfoot. I mean, the whole town just loves Bigfoot. I mean, you go everywhere you go in this town, there's a Bigfoot motel, there's a Bigfoot burger, there's Bigfoot books, there's Bigfoot statues everywhere, there's a Bigfoot museum, there's even like a Bigfoot golf course there. So everything is Bigfoot in this town. And when you go there, I mean, we went to this museum and we just, you know, we were just going to stop in and, you know, see what they got. And you know, we look at the things and the, you know, the displays and all that. And we walked out like $300 worth of merchandise, you know, sweatshirts. And I got a shot glass, which I used to measure like fish oil in now, and which I and gave it a practical use because um, I take liquid fish oil. And, you know, just there's all these, everything's Bigfoot. So we came out with all this Bigfoot stuff that we had never intended to buy. And that's when you realize, you know, Bigfoot's like big money. I mean, people will crowd to this town just to buy Bigfoot stuff. And 
And the reason why is because Bigfoot has like this tremendously powerful personal brand. I mean, everyone knows who Bigfoot is for the most part. Maybe you're in a different part of the country, but you probably have your own version of Bigfoot and it's probably just as, you know, recognizable as the name. And so my thought was, man, you know, if you can become sort of the Bigfoot of your niche, the Bigfoot of your market, like a Dan Kennedy, everyone knows who he is, or like Bill Gates in the computer industry, everyone knows Bill Gates. He's like the Bigfoot of computers. Warren Buffett in investing. If you can become that Bigfoot in whatever it is you do, you will sell even without trying. I mean, people will come to you to buy things just because you're the, you're the main guy. You're like the top brand, the top person. So that's the first thing I that's the first thing I learned from our uh, hairy little friend out there. And the second thing is when you go to a town like Willow Creek, California, and there are other towns like that in the United States, but they're just right next to where the Bigfoot sighting was. Um you realize these people have a huge like a real passion for Bigfoot. I mean, they really do. This is probably why we walked out with all this stuff. I mean, they just they they eat, sleep, drink. You know, poop, Bigfoot. Everything is Bigfoot. And that enthusiasm is just contagious. I mean, you just kind of want to be a part of it. And I've noticed that with our bookkeepers. We recently got a new bookkeeper. Actually, we've had him for a while, but we're dealing with him more and more. He's just really into bookkeeping. He's just really into, like, payroll and taxes and figuring out things. He's so into it. You can't help but, like, get into it, too. And so that was, like, the second thing. That enthusiasm, if it's real, is, like, really contagious. No matter what you're selling, like you say you sell muscle supplement stuff. I mean, I bet you could probably talk for hours about it and give really fascinating information about it. Uh, right now, we're talking about copywriting. There's people, you know, it's 3 a.m. in the U.K. and they're listening to this. I mean, they're just into it, you know, because we're all just kind of into this. So, if you're just really that into it at that level, you're going to attract business and sales automatically. So, be the Bigfoot in be your big... whatever niche is. Be the Bigfoot. Yeah, make sure someone captures a video of you and don't show your face ever again. <laughs> <laughs> did you get to actually meet Bigfoot while you're there? Shake I didn't, but I autograph? did. Well, I did get a picture in front of his statue, but I didn't get to meet the the real Bigfoot. Not yet. Maybe someday. I don't live too far from where that is. I mean, there's Bigfoot sightings everywhere these days in this part of the world. All right, I gotta ask you this, and then I'm gonna let all these. Uh, night owls in the UK and everybody else go to bed, but we got to talk about this because one of my bullet points was the best way to make money as a copywriter when you're between clients dot 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 or maybe can't find any. So you you're what I would consider a fellow kitchen table entrepreneur like myself. You have started your own projects. Was that was that to you know, basically go along with that multiple stream of income things, or was that one day out of necessity when you didn't have any clients? You're thinking, holy crap, the mortgage is going to be due in two weeks. I better get some money coming in. You know, first of all, how did that come about? You starting your own internet marketing projects or, or direct marketing projects? How did that come about? And then, you know, would you recommend that for other copywriters? Yeah, and, and, and I'll say this, there's, you can, there's another lesson from the old multi-level marketing industry, something I did not know about when I was in it, which would have probably made it a lot more profitable, but you can definitely take this in any industry. Um, I've recently, I've written some ads for someone in the, kind of a top uh, marketing guy in, the, in that industry, and he would teach something called funded proposals, and that is where 
okay, you're out there selling your MLM or, or whatever, but you're also selling them an info product that kind of pays the bills until they join your group or even if they do join your group. It's just like an extra way of financing what you're doing. And I don't see any reason why copywriters can't do the same thing. I mean, like we were saying, if you're writing every day, basically you'll have a book within 20 or 30 days. And now that book, you can sell it. I mean, this is kind of how I did it. I, I had written all these newsletters before, and I just compiled them into a book, and that makes up about a third of the copywriting grab bag. I mean, the other two-thirds is interviews, that, like you're in it, for example, and Ken McCarthy and Doug, Doug Deanna and stuff. But really, I mean, while you're putting that content out, while you're writing to build your, your blog or your website, some of that stuff you can take off your website and kind of make it exclusive, put it in a book, and not only do you have a book that you can sell people to your audience, it also gives you a lot of positioning in your market because you're not just some you know guy or gal out there talking about copywriting. You've you got a real book, and there's all kinds of publishing companies that you can use to do it real cheap instead of just using an ebook. So I'm a big, big believer in whatever you're doing, you know, write a book about it too, and you can sell it. And, of course, if you're selling money at a discount, you can charge more for it than otherwise. So even better in copywriting. Explain that, please, selling money at a discount. Well, you're selling someone information on how to make money. So you're basically, if you can, if, if what you're selling is the real deal, they should make back way more than what they spend on your book or whatever product you have. So it's like it's like selling money at a discount, so to speak. I mean, you're you're not just selling. I mean, you know, selling how to make money is the easiest thing in the world to sell, you know, because it pays for itself. It's not like selling a book on, um, for example, I wrote a book about dogs once, and, you know, that's not selling money at a discount at all, except for I had a chapter in there on how to save money on vet bills. But basically it's a harder sell than, you know, here's how you make money on the Internet, and, it's a no-brainer to pay $30 for something like that if, if you think you can make 100 or $200 a month after that. Exactly. It, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like you think that the info business is, is just uh, is a natural progression for a copywriter. Yeah. That you, should, you should write a book or, or write a course or, or something. If you're writing anyway, you could be in the process of developing an info product. Well, I mean, what is the what is the most powerful selling tool someone can have, or one of them at least, is demonstration. And what better demonstration that you know what you're doing? Because a lot of these market, let's face it. I mean, I, I mean, we can say this. It's an absolute truth. And someone who doesn't like this is just living in a dream world, probably drinking their own Kool Aid. I guess copywriters as a whole are very flaky. I mean, it is amazing to me how how just how just flaky they are and how unreliable they are. And I mean, if believe me, these, there, I told you there's all these clients out there looking for copywriters, not even necessarily someone who's like the best copywriter in the world, but just someone who will turn something in on time that they're not embarrassed to send to their list. And while you write a book or info product, you're demonstrating that, A, you can actually put information together in and, and an organized way, and you know, you're, you're kind of a businessman or businesswoman too. And it just demonstrates that you're a lot more trustworthy and you get to kind of show off what you know in the book without bragging or hyping yourself up. So not only an extra stream of income, but really establishing your credibility also. Yeah, you know, there's something that I've been, I kept trying to remember what this was during the call. Um, I meant to write it down and I, I just remembered it. We were talking about hot ways to get clients and all that. 
And this kind of is off the subject a little bit, but I think that people listening to this will really benefit from it, is that whole idea of social proof. I mean, when I worked, when I wrote an ad for Ken McCarthy, many doors opened for me at that point. When I wrote a, um, when I wrote an ad for uh, this guy in the network marketing industry, Mike Dillard, a lot of doors opened for me just automatically, just because his name, I was attached to, you know, something he was doing. There's this other guy that I write ads for. His name is Captain Chris Pizzo. He's in the self-defense industry. I mean, his has open doors. I mean, just if you just, it's not even necessarily getting a lot of clients. You want to get the right clients, people who have a lot of a very good reputation in their market and the industry. And believe me, there are people ask, when when they have their giant mastermind groups and all that. From what I understand, um, maybe it's not the case with all of them, but. You know, a lot of these guys are looking for people who can write ads and like aren't going to skimp out or hand in something, some piece of crap that may or may not work, and they're looking for something, someone they can trust and believe in. It's kind of like when you go to a uh, when you go shopping for a car, right? I mean, aren't you know who told me this was Doug Deanna? I'm, I'm drawing about who told me this. He goes, when I, he goes, I'm going to go shopping for a car tomorrow. This is why I interviewed him. He goes, I'm not shopping for a car. I'm first shopping for a salesman someone who can kind of guide me through all this and who I can trust. And he said, and I would totally agree with this, it's the same in copywriting. People want someone that they can trust. I just got an email last week from this guy who um, was interested in hiring me, and he was asking, he goes, I'm not even necessarily looking for, like, the best copywriter in the world. I just want someone I can work with, someone who I can kind of trust and do business with. I mean, I don't think people understand just how, untrusted copywriters are right now but it we're just a dime a dozen right now and there's a lot of shady people out there and it goes and it's not just copywriters it's everyone in our market i don't know if you remember ken mccarthy's copywriting course that part where he talked about some of the the uh just the shenanigans that he knows of out there and i mean it's really really bad i mean copywriters can get screwed over too but i'm just saying people are looking for someone that they can trust and be that person right that's exactly right. I I lied. I said I was going to only going to ask one more thing. I, <laughs> I, I thought of one more really important thing that I had on the list, and I just don't want to end the call until we we talk about this. Um, you know, as a little side note, I've been keeping up on a few of the gurus um, who have launches coming up and. And these guys always show their gross numbers, you know, like I made forty bazillion dollars <laughs> yeah. last month. You know, and here's the gross and blah blah blah. And you know, really that's that doesn't tell you anything. Gross gross could no. be incredibly misleading. You know, okay, let's say you did make forty million last month, you had sixty million in expenses or whatever. It's 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 somewhat misleading. It looks impressive to the newbies. But um you know, and I'm all for making as much money as you want to make, and I certainly could make more money, and I know you could make more money, um, but I'm more about freedom and lifestyle. Yeah. And so, so, and I know because we've talked about this on the phone. If you could just help build the dream a little bit for the for the newbie copywriters or the people who want to get in direct response and want to be a copywriter. Build the dream a little bit about your lifestyle and, you know, what a typical day involves. Um, you know, I know you're not slave all the time. There may be some instances where you're slaving away for 16 hours on a deadline, but as a general rule, you got to really 
nice lifestyle. So build the dream for us, Ben. Okay. Um, before I do that, I, I wanted to say something about what you were saying when uh, people the people hype up the numbers and they publicly count their money and all that. I'm not going to say who told me this. All right. So take this for the grain of salt. But it's someone who's pretty well connected in the in the marketing world. He goes, and this was recently told me. He goes, you know, there's one thing I've learned about a lot of these guys. They're all full of shit. Because <laughs> he deals with them, you know, he deals with a lot of them. And, you know, he goes, you know, they may be saying they're making, you know, umpteen million, but you look at, they're really only netting like, you know, a couple hundred grand in a lot of cases. So, you know, I would say, first of all, don't be intimidated by, by people like that. In fact, anyone who's publicly counting their money, I mean, I'm personally just kind of like, I mean, I, I wouldn't say never trust them. I'm just saying just realize that someone, if someone has to say it, you know, they're probably not real confident. <laughs> in it you know it's kind of like Fonzie he doesn't have to tell people he's tough people just know it right because he's cool well it's the same in uh it's the same in marketing so anyway to answer your question I I like to think so I mean I don't really get up with an alarm clock I used to just because I wanted to keep that discipline but our dog acts as a pretty good alarm clock these days so I don't have to worry about that but yeah it's very laid back I I'm not I don't I'm not really a slave to anyone's agenda um some days if I've been working really hard, I'll just, we'll literally just say, screw it, I'm not working today, let's go to a movie. I mean, you're you're in control of your time. You can do, you can go take two-week, wacky two-week road trips whenever you want, and, you know, go visit Willow Creek, California if you want, or whatever, it really doesn't matter, you can go anywhere you want in the, in the world for the most part, and it's not like some business crashed while you were gone, or someone's playing office politics trying to sabotage you at your job or anything like that you're in control of your life in a lot of ways now i will say this freelance copywriting is basically just a more glorified job though i mean you're still beholden to things that you say you're going to do so that's why ultimately you also want to have your own stuff going too so that one day you can walk away from the freelancing or maybe it's just uh optional at that point but yeah i mean we i don't think i work more than three or four hours a day total um, I just can't. My mind, my brain just fries after a while. We go to bed. And I go to bed whenever I want. And I can go exercise whenever I want. A lot of times, um, a lot of times you can go a week without really. You can just kind of relax for a couple weeks at a time between projects, with no pressure. Um, when you get really good at it, it, you get really fast at it, and you actually save even more time. And it's almost like what used to take you. Six weeks will only take you two or three weeks, and I'm just now starting to get to that point myself where I'm actually much faster at this. And even better than that is eventually you're going to start attracting more serious players into your life. And by that I mean there will be certain business owners looking for copywriters to partner with because, believe me, copywriters screw people over all the time, as I was saying, and uh, even big-name guys. And... Um, you know, when one of these bigger companies, if it's like a client of yours or something, that, and you just get along with everyone, there's a good chance you're going to be offered a chance to be a part of that. And you may only have to do that from now on. Um, I'm trying to transition into that slowly but surely. I'm partnering with a, a client right now. But I'm still doing freelance stuff. But eventually I won't have to do that at all, or even my own stuff. I, I mean, if I do do it, it's just because I want to. And that's really what it comes down to. It's not about lounging around and not doing anything that's not living living is you know playing the game of life on your own terms 
And if you like doing business, and I'm guessing everyone listening to this call is into this, it's fun. I mean, it's really fun when you don't have that pressure of freelance uh, freelancing on you on you all the time. It's fun even when you're a freelancer. Don't get me wrong. I'd, a bad day as a freelancer is still ten times better than a good day in a in a regular job. Yeah, you know, I don't think people who people who work regular jobs will say, oh, "I have a really good job. I got a really good boss." You know, that may be true, but they don't really know what real freedom is. They don't really understand what it's like to be able to just live life on your own terms without having to ask someone's permission to go to the bathroom, you know, like, and just without having to ask for anything. I mean, you can give yourself a raise whenever you want. Just raise your fees as long as you're delivering value. If if you're making your clients money, believe me, they're going to keep hiring you. I mean, that's the name of the game. So it's just, to me, it's the ultimate in freedom. And it, all you need is a computer or if you write by longhand, which I've never been able to do except when copying ads up, you only need a notebook. Right, freedom, freedom with a pen and a notebook, or freedom with a with your computer. Yeah, yeah, that was uh that was an important thing that I wanted to ask you because I know that's one of the the big perks of uh of being a copywriter and being in this crazy direct marketing business. Hey, it is crazy, hey, Ben. I really appreciate it. This was a really good call. Getting a lot of feedback here on the Q and A thing people submitting questions getting a lot of feedback that people liked it so oh good thanks a lot thanks for staying uh later than we planned oh it's fine i I was i had a good time so it was fun anything else you want to say before we close the call or uh just tell people your websites again please yeah um if you want to i have a daily email tip or at least five days a week Uh, i don't you know, I don't really just send junk. There's always a point. I may send you a sales pitch, but there's usually a point to it. And that's at bensettle.com. And uh, my other two websites are copywritinggrabbag.com, which is where you can grab that copywriter's crib sheet for free. Just wait for the pop-up to show up. And uh, crackerjackselling.com is the notification list for my CD of the month deal that I'm building right now. And, you know, I, I give, I've given like a couple updates on that. It's Going a little slower, but if you want to be the first to know what's going on, just jump on that list too. All right, thanks, Ben. Thanks again for the for the call. It was really good, and uh, and uh, like I said, getting a lot of positive feedback about it. So thanks oh, for your time. All right, thank you. Okay, good. Well, we'll talk with you soon. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye bye. The moderator has left the conference. The conference is now complete.